Welcome back to Working Overtime, the advice-focused thing to working's Mr. Fantastic. I'm Isaac Butler. And I'm June Thomas, once again puzzled by Isaac's references to pop culture. Isaac, what are we talking about today? Wait, wait. I, before we get into the beat of this episode, <laughs> you're puzzled by a reference to the Fantastic Four. Ah. A comic strip that's been around since the 1960s <laughs> and has spawned several Just unwatchable like movies. Yes, including one with the guy from The Shield. Okay, so anyway, today I wanted to talk about, uh, maybe it's one of a series of episodes we've done about taking care of ourselves. Now, we've done some similarly themed episodes about taking breaks, about mental health, but I realized we haven't really talked about physically taking care Mm -hmm. of ourselves unless a guest brings it up in their interview. So I thought maybe we should talk about whether or even why or maybe even if... (laughs) That's uh, important to the creative life and how to do it. Now, I want to say right off the bat, because I'm sure there's some listeners out there, there's like an alarm bell ringing Mm -hmm. in the back of their mind, and they're thinking, this is going to be a bunch of diet culture bullshit. And I am very opposed to diet culture. And if I remember correctly from past episodes, that's something that that drives you up the proverbial wall, around the proverbial bend. Am I correct, June? You are correct, Isaac. Okay, great. Just want to make sure. So this is our our guarantee to you, the working overtime guarantee, no diet culture horse crap, but (laughs) it is still important to take care of the body. And I don't know about you, June, but I find it very easy to forget when I am deep in the throes of a creative project. And for me anyway, (laughs) you know, I had that revelation pretty late in life because I injured my back very badly while writing the method not because you know i was so into i don't know doing squats <laughs> with a tree on my shoulders or something while typing but actually it was because i was so sedentary for the final year of writing the book and the chair i was sitting in was a crappy folding chair a Uh-oh. series of crappy folding chairs in Uh-oh. fact I had never known before that sitting for a year in a bad chair could screw up your back so badly that you required months of physical therapy, but that is indeed what happened. June, did you require a similar epiphanic moment to take care of yourself? And if you did, did it happen like me almost as soon as you became (laughs) middle-aged? Sort of with a little twist. So I've written quite a bit, some people would say too much, about how my teeth were pretty messed up when I was a kid. And I don't just mean that they were misaligned, though they were, but I had like serious infections and a bunch of missing teeth and I needed quite a bit of treatment. And when I wasn't able to access that treatment, it was really hard to get work done. Like when you're in pain, you cannot focus. When you are self-conscious about something that, especially something like teeth that has a kind of extra class-related valence, right, y- right. Y- you're not in the best position to put yourself forward for jobs or assignments. Now, fortunately, I was able to start to get treatment in my 30s, and it was really then, when I wasn't in pain and was much less self-conscious about my appearance, that I realized how much it had cost me, you know, concentration and confidence-wise. But, you know, those problems that were with me from childhood meant that I always had a sense of how precarious health can be and how it can affect your output. Also, I had to spend a lot of money. I reckon I've paid about $100,000 in out-of-pocket dental expenses over the years. And, you know, that definitely also kept it in the front of my mind. 
Yeah. And, you know, one thing that that definitely brings up is that when taking care of yourself means seeking out the medical establishment, there there are other factors that have to do with money, <laughs> mm-hmm. particularly in the United States. You are now in the UK yes. with its famous lauded and we should say much under attack currently yeah. Yeah. national health Can you tell us a little bit about that now that you've moved there and what the difference in experience is for you? It's night and day. You know, I mean, yes, the National Health Service, or as Brits always refer to it, our NHS, it's, you know, it's getting squeezed for all kinds of reasons because of underfunding, because of the difficulties of hiring people, especially after Brexit. And also living longer. All of these things mean that it's, it's under pressure, but it makes such a huge difference especially to being a creative person, when you don't have to worry about can you pay to get treatment that you need. I also have to say that I went for, it was just a cleaning, but it cost me five pounds at the dentist. It was bonkers. Five pounds? Five pounds. And then I I had another bill that was 12 pounds for another visit. Like, it's just mind boggling. But there are problems with NHS dentistry. Don't want to underplay that, but just that sense of, a worry that is removed from your life. It's its something that obviously is a just a terrible failure in, in the USA. Yes, indeed. Uh, one that we cannot solve on no. this week's episode, <laughs> but we can talk a little bit about ways that we can help ourselves. Which we will do after this. Hey listeners, do you have any tips or questions about the creative process? Get in touch and share your advice. You can email us at working at slate.com or even better, you can call us and leave a message at 304-933-9675. That's 304-933-WORK. Welcome back. We are talking all things physical health. Now, let me ask June, do you think that there is a connection between the creative process and taking care of yourself? Because, you know, in some ways, the pop culture image of the artist is actually the opposite, right? There is a connection between being healthy and being creative, and it's actually that you should be as unhealthy as possible. You should, you know, drink a bottle of Jack Daniels and howl at the moon or whatever it is, and that's how you're going to find inspiration for your great paintings. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that is absolutely bonkers. Part of the romantic ideal of the struggling artist, quite apart from the drink and the drugs that you know, some are shown to be requiring to, you know, to make anything is of someone alone in her garret, misunderstood by the establishment and underappreciated in her time. And for that person, work is their everything. Never mind anything else. Never mind health. Never mind friends. Never mind anything but the work. And, you know, my work is important to me. Ideas and art and culture are important to me. But it is far too easy to take that too far and think of an artist as being a kind of disembodied brain. That is such a damaging way to approach creativity. And I think by valorizing that kind of romantic ideal, we also kind of embrace a lack of self-respect. Creativity does not require, you know, self-harm. You know, it's very funny. As you know, I'm a big uh, Shakespeare nut and we know Mm. nothing about what Shakespeare was like as a person. And in most 
fictionalized depictions of Shakespeare, you know, he's drinking a lot. He's like fucking left and right. <laughs> he's kind of a party guy or whatever. It's like, well, you know, he he was a manager of a theater company and he wrote two plays a year. My, <laughs> my image of him is that he's actually probably pretty boring, right? Yeah, he probably right. Is just working all the time, you know? Right. I will be honest. I still find myself thinking, you know, like when I'm exercising or whatever, this is time I could be doing research. You know, like yeah. it can feel totally irrelevant to one's job to take care of your body or whatever. For listeners who struggle with this alongside me, what advice do you have? So... I think this is part of that whole thing of, you know, every minute must be perfectly used, you know, otherwise we're, you know, showing insufficient commitment. So, yes, let's just admit, let's stipulate that taking care of the body, it's an essential part of the artist's commitment to their craft. But at the same time, I do recognize that little voice you described. So here's something I do. If there is a time in the day that feels, quote unquote, wasted or insufficiently optimized because you're exercising instead of reading, say, stuff it with a passive task, you know, let take that little space and cram it because say you're taking a walk or working out at the gym, well, maybe listen to an audiobook that's relevant to your project or listen to a podcast interview with someone who's involved in the artistic scene that you're writing about. I don't think there's much harm in that and it can, yes, actually be useful, but also you really don't have to do that. Like it's okay right. just to, it's okay just to run or just to walk. That's fine. And we should say this is the world's top productivity advocate, mm. June Thomas, <laughs> saying this. So if June Thomas says it's okay, it must really be okay. You know, to me, I, I have to just keep reminding myself, like, you got to bring your best self to your work. And that's, of course, that's not always possible. You know, life gets in the way, but your work will benefit from at least that attempt. And part of that attempt is staying healthy to the extent that you can yeah. and trying to be in a good place mentally when you sit down. Like, obviously, like I've written some stuff out of anger. I've even written good <laughs> stuff when angry or exhausted. And particularly when you're in your 20s, there's that thrill to burning the candle at both ends. But uh, you just can't keep it up forever. It's not a sustainable way to work. That is absolutely true. You, you really cannot. And I know, too, that my body was not shy about telling me that. You know, when I was young, I had terrible work habits. The all-nighter was my favorite way to produce. I would push deadlines way beyond their limits, you know, just, I guess, in search of adrenaline. And at a certain point, that just was not possible. I mean, yeah, I could stay up all night, but when Dawn's rosy fingers tapped me on the shoulders, I'd look down and I just had a bunch of nonsense in a Word doc, and then I'd be sick all day, and that meant I couldn't get anything done then, which which put me further behind and made everything worse. I mean, I eventually got the picture and changed my habits. And I have to say, young me wouldn't recognize the person with insanely and, I must admit, very boringly healthy habits that I am today. Insanely and boringly healthy. Yes, yes. Why don't you tell me more about that, June? What do you do to take care of yourself? <laughs> I'm going to first tell you what I do not do. I do not go to the gym. I've signed up many a time over the years. I've even gone to the gym occasionally. And you know what? It's just not for me. And I've just accepted that. And also, I just really hate getting sweaty. I also hate water, so no pools either. We should have had a disclaimer at the beginning. No diet culture and no hydration talk, <laughs> right? If there's one thing people love talking about, it's hydration. 
No hydration here. That's the Uh-oh. working overtime promise. Hydration-free zone. Okay, so those are the things I don't do, but here's what I do do. I am a maniac about sleep. I try to end my day around, did I say boring, 10 p.m. And my lights are out at 11 p.m. And that is probably both the biggest change in my health habits in the last few years and the thing that has had the biggest impact. And I, I'm sure this will not come as any surprise to anybody who has ever lived with a small baby. Sleep. It's really important. And I never learned to drive, so I've always walked a lot just to get around. So I go for a walk every day. And yeah, I'm not talking about crazy, ambitious hikes with poles, you know, but I get my minimum of 5,000 steps in every day and often many thousand more. I eat healthily. I eat at regular times. You know, as I'm hearing myself speak, I know these are very basic things. They are probably the absolute minimum that a person can do for themselves to be considered healthy. But I also don't just think, I know that there are many, many people, including a lot of people who are devoted to creativity, who don't do those things. That's totally true. That's totally true. I would also love to see you with the sticks, you know, with the, <laughs> the two, this kind of like cross-country ski pole type yeah. thing, walking up and down Arthur's seat. <laughs> For me, you know, like I said, it started with physical therapy and I was also walking what was then my new dog. Mm-hmm. We adopted a dog as soon as I turned the book in. Oh. Uh, the beloved Chili, who Ooh. is often visible in the background of the Zooms as we, as we do these. Now, and this grew out of doing physical therapy, I do Pilates three or four times a week. And until I had COVID in August, I was also running on an elliptical once or twice. I was just about to start adding the cardio back in because my doctor keeps saying, more cardio, more cardio, no matter what I do. But I have recently developed a very mysterious pain in my left knee. And until I get that checked out, I'm worried about making it worse. So just doing the Pilates and taking the dog on long walks. But a thing I want to note here is like you, I I was a member of gyms many times and I would try it for a while. I would find a form of exercise that I was sort of okay with. And then I'd just fall off of it. I hate lifting weights. Stationary bikes bore me to tears. Yoga classes make me incredibly self-conscious. Oh my God. If you want to be self-conscious about your body image, go to a yoga class. But the Pilates and running on the elliptical machine we have in our basement, those are things I like enough that I will keep doing them. And I actually think enjoyment is a really important part of forming these habits. At least if you're like me, like I never experience and I I bet you don't either the endorphin fueled Uh, runners high that never happens to me so I have to find other stuff other ways to enjoy working out yeah no I agree completely and I I think it's important to recognize when something isn't for you the habit gurus say that it takes 30 days to form a new habit so if you're serious give it at least that long but if you put in the time and it still feels miserable stop and go look for something else I have to say though Isaac Pilates really is the deadlock of exercise. I mean, (laughs) lots of people raving about it. Very few people saying they don't get anything out of it. I have a lot of Pilates-loving pals. Yeah, you know, a weird thing I discovered once I started doing it is that I think it's actually like going through a period of being very popular now, which I was not really aware of. But then all of a sudden I noticed that like... Every vacant storefront in my neighborhood that hadn't been turned into a weed bodega had been turned into a Pilates studio. Like they're they're just everywhere. They are all over the place. And and oh. I really recommend checking it out. It's really interesting. It, it's sort of like stretching with weights. I don't know. Yeah. It's my core feels super aligned, man. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm, like yeah. I uh, I feel like my posture is better. I don't know. I really like it. And 
it was really necessary for me to find something that was low impact because of what was going on with my back, but would also yeah. do core strengthening. And so it really sort of ticked all the boxes. Mm. And, you know, echoes something you said earlier. I've become more concerned as I get older about what I eat, about how much alcohol I drink, how much sleep I get. I, you know, just the body is not capable of bouncing back in the same way. I've never liked being drunk. I've never been a big drinker. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But at some point, you know, the hangover, if I accidentally had too much, turned from like a headache to like intense anxiety. <laughs> so it's like, I'm not going to be in that position anymore. And I eat a mostly vegetarian diet because it just makes me feel better. Yeah. You know, I, I too, because I have a nine year old, I'm, I'm usually in bed with the lights out by 11, 1130, you know, so, so I totally know what you mean. Yeah. I mean, I know what you mean about the hangover thing that the body just is not shy about letting you know when it's unhappy. You know, I enjoy a drink, but I very rarely have more than one a day. And there are definitely days too where I, I had none and I've learned from experience I no longer drink red wine or scoff tons of cheese even though I love both of those things because they give me a horrible headache and that's just the worst. Wait, wait, you get a cheese hangover? Yeah, it's awful. It makes me so mad. Really? And you're just like, oh, I knew I shouldn't have had that Gouda last night, bro. Exactly. I mean, I, I guess it's dairy because ice cream does it too. And I mean, I have to tell you, oh, man. I, still, I still eat ice cream because I love ice cream, but it gives me a headache. It's awful. Look, you have to find some joy in this life, right? Exactly. Exactly. And we have more joy for your life coming up after this. Listeners, I just want to remind you that if you are enjoying working overtime, and I sincerely hope you are, please subscribe so that you never miss an episode. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, we'd love you to rate or review the show. Believe me, it really does help new listeners to find us. And if Overcast is your app of choice, please hit the star to recommend the episode to others. June, I know I've mentioned going to the doctor a couple of times. I know that you are incredibly mindful of your teeth. Mm -hmm. As you say, you've written many times and talked many times about going to the dentist. I think it's one of the most significant relationships in your adult life. Yes. This reminds me that I need to schedule a <laughs> dental appointment. And also that lots of artists I know, including me, are pretty bad at keeping up with, with physicians. In fact, you and I have a mutual friend who I think has not been to the dentist in like a decade or more. Oh, my goodness. Afterwards, you need to tell me who that is so I can perform an intervention. OK, I'm not saying this because I think other people should do the same. Quite the opposite, in fact. But I have to admit, I'm a bit of a doctor dodger myself. I feel like I'm basically a healthy person. I feel like I know where I need to seek regular care. For me, that's my teeth and my eyes, because I was issued with pretty terrible specimens of both of those things. But I don't get regular checkups or just go to the doctors. Again, to be clear, I'm not recommending that, but the working overtime oath requires me to admit as much. I've had the same problem in the past for sure, right? Yeah. It's like, you know, like I hadn't been to the doctor in a while, well, in part because of the pandemic, but I hadn't been to a doctor in a while prior to the back trouble I was having. And, you know, then there's other stuff. It's like once you're middle aged, it's like, oh, you know, you need to get your blood work done because there might be something there, you know, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. And that stuff has sort of kept me going. I will also say the whole you could see a doctor over Zoom now if you're not getting lab work done has made me a lot more likely to just send my doctor a note and hop on a Zoom call to discuss something. But so can I ask, like, 
is it that you need someone to psych you up or you need to psych yourself up or you need to, you know, listen to some song that like encourages you, you know, <laughs> or so like, I, I don't know. For me, it was necessity. But what do you think's holding you back? You know, I, I don't even know in my case. I think it's a combination of getting out of the habit of going and the thing we were talking about earlier, the offensive expense of a trip to the doctor in the USA. But I did see a doctor when I first moved to Scotland and I thought it was dying. Surprise, it was a dental infection. And, you know, the doctor was great. 10 out of 10 would consult again. But that was about 16 months ago and I haven't gone anywhere near the surgery since. So I'm not a resistor. I'm not a denier. I just don't generally feel the need. It's wild how easily it can slip your mind. Too, yeah, right. Yeah, it just yeah. yeah. Obviously, we are not scoldy people, so we are not scolding our listeners to go to the doctor or whatever, or to you know hop on the elliptical machine. But but <laughs> we do like to talk about you know how we conceptualize this stuff. So how do you think about or what advice can we give people about trying to build better health? Okay, so this is so basic, but if you want to do your art. If you want to be a creative person, if you want to achieve your goals, don't ignore your body. You don't have to spend hours at the gym every day and walk 10,000 steps and sleep eight hours, though you really should sleep for eight hours. And, and, and just don't ignore it. You know, do what you can. But right. I will share the famous Patti Smith advice, famous to me at least, because I think dozens of people over the years have shared it with me. In commencement addresses and on panels, she often tells would-be or young artists, quote, you only get one set of teeth, brush, floss, and go to the dentist or you'll regret it later. Better than just about anyone in the world, I know how hard it can be to see a dentist, to get an appointment if you don't have coverage, to pay for it, whether or not you have coverage, because there are always out-of-pocket expenses. But my advice is prioritize your teeth, because in this, as in so much else, Patty is right. <laughs> Amazing. You know, for me, the only thing I'd add on to that is that I think when most of us think about ourselves or, or what a human being is, we think of the mind and body as a binary. Mm -hmm. We know that binary is false, but it yeah. does not stop us from thinking about it, right? It's like, even though your mind is in your brain, which is an organ in your body, and all the information it gets from the world is filtered to it by other sensory organs in your body. Like we just can't help separating the two. It's like my body is a jar that <laughs> contains this separate thing called my mind. I think if you practice an art form that's an intellectual discipline, like nonfiction writing, like mm. you and I do, mm. it's like triply easy to fall into that trap. But one thing that I've learned from the past couple of years, you know, COVID and back injury and whatnot, is that writing is actually a physical act. Mm. Your fingers are moving, your back is aligned in a particular way, or needs to be, I learned. Yes. Your eyes are scanning left to right. If you dictate, your mouth is moving, your throat is active, you're breathing in and out. You know, what we're sort of talking about here is embracing the totality of yourself as an artist. And that requires embracing that you are a physical being moving through physical space with the one body you have on this earth, as annoying and gross as bodies can be, to be totally frank. <laughs> totally. Right on. I'm very conscious of how easy it is for me to sit here and tell people to spend money. But if you're a writer, having a chair that supports your back, that doesn't wreck your body, is really important. And that should be high on your financial priorities. Going to the dentist when you can is important. Getting your eyes tested, getting glasses if you need them. Crazy thought here, but better to spend money on those things than on a class or a retreat or a new computer. That is just my two cents. 
I believe our two most consistent pieces of advice for aspiring writers are get a good chair and a laser printer, right? Isn't that, yes, isn't that mine is laser right. printer, yours is get a good chair, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's all the time we have for this week's episode, but let me leave you with one last piece of advice. I think you should subscribe to Working wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have ideas for things we could do better, questions you'd like us to address, we would love to hear from you. You can send us an email at workingatslate.com or give us a ring at 304-933-WORK. If you would like to support what we do, sign up for Slate Plus at slate.com slash working plus. You'll get bonus content, including exclusive episodes of Slow Burn and Big Mood, Little Mood. And you'll be supporting what we do right here on Working. Thanks, as always, to Kevin Bendis and to our series producer, Cameron Drews, who are both fine examples of men sana in capore sano. We'll be back on Sunday with a brand new episode of Working, and in two weeks, we'll have another Working Overtime. Until then, get back to work.